This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It is indeed overtime, and it is indeed a football Friday on 106.7 The Fan. Hope everybody across the DMV is doing well tonight. We're with you on the AMFM dial. We're on the Odyssey app, and we're on the stream at thefandc.com. However, you might be tuned in tonight. We'll... We're just glad that you're here. I'm Danny Noakes. Caitlin here producing the show with you for a little under an hour from now. About 10 o'clock is when we'll be jumping off the air. 800-636-1067 is the MGM National Harbor listener line. Please feel free to jump in on the conversation using that number. We've had a handful of great callers already in the show. Talked a little bit about whether or not to stick with Heineke or to go to Carson Wentz when he does get back healthy. No decision to be made this week because Wentz not activated off of IR just yet. Doesn't appear to be ready. So, and even when he does get activated, by the way, it doesn't necessarily guarantee that he will be in the game. Certainly not right away. So, we talked about that. You can hit us up on the MGM National Harbor listener line. You can also tweet at us. I'm at Danny Noakes. You can tweet the station as well at 106.7 The Fan. Thanks to John Laser of the National Sports Network. He's calling the number one Georgia-Kentucky game tomorrow over in Lexington. Lays, former voice of the Hokies, and of course the founder of the nonprofit Lasers Ladybug Society. If you missed that segment, and it started about two hours ago, so you can use the rewind function at thefandc.com or on the Odyssey app, and we'll get the podcast up for you after the show a little bit later on as well. We're keeping an eye on the Heat and the Wizards game that is coming up to the finish line now just over six minutes to go it's a two-point lead for the Miami Heat 94-92 but I want to start by going back to the commanders here already in the show once I mentioned that actually I read the whole statement not the whole statement but most of the statement from the National Football League where it was put out today as I understand it a reminder by the league that Players, coaches, personnel, anyone affiliated with the team is not allowed to do any sort of drinking of alcohol on a plane, on a bus, in the locker room. None of that. Of course, only if you are celebrating a Super Bowl win are you allowed to bring alcohol into the locker room, as I understand it. But obviously, Taylor Heineke was uh, filmed on a plane on Monday night drinking a bush light. Did not appear to be, you know overserved or anything like that in fact he just looked like he wanted to be left alone if i'm being honest not that he didn't look like he was having fun he loves his teammates and stuff like that i'm all about it but 
<laughs> I think that he was he was really open to uh, to to kind of exhale on the on the plane ride home and and just kind of enjoy a, a cold beverage. So I mentioned that the issuing of that statement by the National Football League was probably not just because of. Taylor Heineke and the commanders and, and, you know, their celebration after beating the undefeated Eagles on Monday night and into Tuesday morning, by the way. But obviously we, we mentioned the story and and we already talked about it. I'm not going to go back to it right now, but we mentioned the story about Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator, Todd Downing being arrested for DUI at about four 30 this morning. Not long, about two and a half hours after the Titans landed back in Nashville after their win over the Green Bay Packers, which was also very big. And and seven out of eight for Tennessee. Now they got to deal with this. Their offensive coordinator getting a DUI. Does he keep his job? Because that's obviously pretty serious, whether or not anybody was hurt. Uh, a, a, a poor decision was made there. Now, just to loop in another piece of this, I'm looking at an article right now from the Washington Post at Post Sports on Twitter. Quote, Ron Rivera told the NFL he disciplined some commanders players after they were drinking during their return flight back from Philadelphia this week. End quote. So I, I'm not going to get into reading this just yet because, you know, we're in the middle of a show. But uh, Rivera obviously, you know, disciplining the players to some degree. I'm sure it wasn't that bad. You know, I'm sure it was um, minimal. You know, like I said, Heineke not looking overserved or anything like that. Everyone there is an adult, right? They should be allowed to to enjoy an adult beverage. So, but but it is interesting, though, that that Rivera also disciplined them. So there are rules in place uh, for a reason. So, um, I don't expect there to be a whole lot that comes of that. Now, the the situation with uh, the Tennessee offensive coordinator, though, different story. We kind of got to play that one by ear. Now, I mentioned a lawsuit, right? And, and there are a lot of those when it comes to the Washington commanders. But the D.C. attorney general is once again suing the commanders, this time for an alleged ticket scheme. So this this lawsuit alleges that the team has cheated its residents out of hundreds, quote, hundreds of thousands of dollars in unreturned security deposits for season ticket holders. This lawsuit also alleges that the team has held on to potential refunds to season ticket holders whose contracts with the team had expired. And that finally it claims the team still holds, quote, $200,000 in unreturned security deposits paid by D.C. residents, end quote. The last thing that it alleges is that the commanders not only have engaged, but they continue to engage in misleading business practices. Now, a commander spokesperson came out and said that the franchise has not accepted security deposits on premium tickets for more than 20 years and that they haven't taken deposits for suites in, quote, over a decade. Now, the, the team said it began returning those security deposits in 2004, but I actually was not a season ticket holder. My, my dad was, I want to say, up until probably around that time. 2006, 2007 was probably the year that, that my dad gave it up. And, and by the way, you know, my dad, my grandfather, lifelong Redskins fans, lifelong DC sports fans, my dad's from Falls Church. McLean, you know, went to McLean High School. 
grew up around Northern Virginia, stayed in Northern Virginia. That's where he is right now. And, you know, when it when it when it comes to why they gave up the season tickets at FedEx Field, we had four season tickets. My family and this was before my youngest brother was born. They were you could call them in the nosebleeds. They were they were pretty high up there. I actually didn't mind. You know, it it was hard to see the game because you were you were really far away. And this is before obviously that the Commanders were just hacking off a bunch of those seats up there because they can't sell out the stadium but i actually liked that it was a really clear view of the stadium i you know i I don't really care that much about where i'm watching the game from and i think my time as a member of the media has has made that the case because they love to put the press as far away and in the worst possible vantage point at a venue as possible you know virginia tech when i was covering their basketball team after i graduated they moved press row from down on the floor to back behind one of the baskets. And it's not the worst place to watch a game, but it sure isn't as good as watching the game from the sideline. You know what I mean? So at one point, my dad, actually, it was several years that he was trying to get our seats upgraded. And it finally happened. I want to say it took, you know, somewhere close to a decade to actually get an upgrade. And we finally got into the lower bowl, but... The seats were, and it had this little disclaimer on the ticket, it was an obstructed view. We were behind a big, giant column, right? So my dad, who was a loyal supporter of the team and was even paying the money every single year to go to the season tickets, was pissed because they put us behind a big column. You know, a loyal family and and, and have been sponsoring the team for, for decades at this point. And so, ah, the hell with it. Got rid of the season tickets. Don't blame them. And in the in one of the last games I remember that we attended in those obstructed view seats was in 2004. It's it's honestly it's one of my most fond and and it's somewhat fuzzy because it happened so long ago, 18 years ago. I was uh oh I was 11. Wow, I'm getting old. Um, 11 years old and. It was Sean, it was Sean Taylor's rookie year, and that game against the Bengals. It was it, I believe it was a four four twenty five kickoff, and Sean Taylor. First of all, he came up and he absolutely clotheslined Rudy Johnson, the Cincinnati running back, on a play. But also early in that game, he came flying from somewhere across the field and just I think he jumped over Chad Ochocinco and picked off Carson Palmer in one of the most athletic plays that I've ever seen. So, so that's, that's a little caveat there about the season tickets that, that from my personal standpoint, but I, I'm curious if anybody out there is, uh, you know, could shed some light on the whole security deposits business, because, you know, this is a lot of hearsay. Again, the team said it was returning security deposits in 2004, but Carl Racine, the D.C. Attorney General who filed this lawsuit, also filed a lawsuit last week alleging that Dan Snyder and Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner, have colluded to, quote, deceive district residents about an investigation into toxic workplace culture, end quote. And that one didn't surprise us. That was teased, actually, as the big announcement that, that had been coming for several weeks by several members of the D.C. media. But does this sound like a functioning workplace? Does that sound like a successful business, right? 
I don't need to, to go through all this because it, I think we're finally at the point where Snyder is going to sell the team, right? I don't really think he can walk this back. The, the, the reaction has been too positive. The team is playing too well. Everything's going. And, and that also, in the back of my mind, also leads me to believe that, you know, something has to go wrong at some point between now and the end of the season. I hope it doesn't, but it really feels like that we're due for something like that. But with all these lawsuits coming in, how are the commanders in any way a well-run organization? It always starts from the top. You know, the the football team is not as bad as teams, at least for over the last 30 years. They're not as bad as teams like the Lions and the Browns. And I realize I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel here. Okay, I, I understand that. We're talking about, you know, a franchise that won three Super Bowls in 20 years and and in the next 30 you've only won a couple of playoff games right it's it's a fall from grace that's that's pretty unprecedented but i always if if i were an nfl owner the way i looked at it was from a business standpoint okay the value of the commanders franchise might be going up but it's not going up at the rate that it should be i mean You've got railings falling over and almost hitting franchise quarterbacks for the opposing teams. You've got leaking pipes that are bursting on top of paying fans in the stands. You've got all sorts of other stuff going on. You, you can't even get a beer sponsor. Who can't get a beer sponsor in the National Football League? That That's, uh, that's unthinkable. So there's every little everything you could point to about this team is is a reason for Dan Snyder to sell it. And this is just another lawsuit that, you know, just kind of supports that argument right there. So let's get out of here. Let's step aside. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Jeff Saturday. He's the interim head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Maybe Jim Mercer pulls that interim out of his title by the end of the season. If they continue to play the way that they did under him in the last game, that might be the case. But I'm here to tell you that one game does not a head coach make. And we'll talk about that coming up next here on 106.7 The Fan. Because I think the city of Charlottesville here in Virginia could use some good news here is some right now. A final score, number 16, UVA men's basketball, 86. Number 5, Baylor, 79. So number 16, Wahoos, get an upset, a top five win over number 5, Baylor. Armin Franklin scored 26. Virginia opened the second half on a 30-5 to run to take control of the game. It's a night that obviously we're not even a week removed from the shooting that took place on campus there in Charlottesville, but this is at least something to point to that might give you a little bit of a warm feeling inside, right? I'm sure the, anyone that's still being affected by what happened there in Charlottesville is you know, still grieving and deservedly so, but hopefully this makes it a little bit better. Because that's a big win right there. But obviously, the loss of life, there's nothing that can replace that. And it's unfortunate that we even have to talk about it. But a great win for Tony Bennett and the Virginia men's basketball team. I want to check in quickly, too, on the Washington Wizards, who just tied the game with with a Kyle Kuzma jumper at the end of regulation. So it's 104-104. This literally updated in real time as I was reading it. 104. This game appears to be headed to overtime between Miami and the Wizards. So 
anybody over there at Capital One Arena tonight. You're getting a little free NBA basketball as the Heat and the Wizards go into overtime tied at 104. So that gives us a chance to check in on that at least one more time here throughout the remainder of the show. And we're with you tonight on 106.7 The Fan until 10 p.m. So we'll probably be jumping off the air in the next 30, 35 minutes. 800-636-1067 is the uh, National Harbor, MGM National Harbor listener line. You can feel free to hit us up there. Hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Danny Noakes. I wanted to talk about Jeff Saturday, though, and the interim head coach for the Indianapolis Colts winning his first game as the interim head coach of the Colts. And I'll start by giving him credit, of course, because I can't imagine that it, no matter the scenario going in, leading a NFL team to a win, that cannot possibly be an, an easy thing to do. And it's exactly what the Colts did. 25-20, to 20, they went into Las Vegas and they beat the Raiders behind a very, very, very strong performance by their offensive line and by Jonathan Taylor. And... Obviously, if you are a fantasy football player, you were just waiting for Jonathan Taylor to break out with one of these games. Well, you finally got it. 22 carries, 147 yards, and a touchdown for Jonathan Taylor. Matt Ryan, who was thrown back into this game after Jim Irsay a few weeks ago said he'll never see the field again for the Indianapolis Colts. Well, when Saturday came to town, or came back to town rather, because obviously he spent pretty much all of his career playing for the Colts. He threw Matt Ryan back in there. Matt Ryan actually had four carries for 38 yards and a touchdown in this game against the Raiders. Unbelievable. As a team, the Colts went for over 200 yards on the ground, and Matt Ryan behind center, 21 of 28, 222 yards and a touchdown. Only got sacked once. So I, I don't think it's any secret it starts up front for the Colts. It starts with their offensive line. It starts with Jonathan Taylor. And leading into that game, it sounded like Jeff Saturday was challenging that offensive line to play better. And they were up to the challenge. They stepped up. They came up with a good performance. Now, the Raiders are not very good. Two and seven on the year, two and two at home. They have been tremendously disappointing. And, you know, Derek Carr, 24 38. 248 yards, two touchdowns. Devontae Adams, nine catches for over 126 yards and a touchdown as well. He had a great game. There's a good bit of offense in in this one, uh, for, despite there being 45 points on the board, which is probably about like the average, maybe a little bit more than, than the average NFL game. I think it's more than the average NFL game this season, but... Credit to the Colts and credit and credit to Jeff Saturday. They did, as I understand it, lose linebacker Shaquille Leonard for the remainder of the season. And that is not good because Shaquille Leonard is one of the best linebackers in football right now and the Colts leading tackler and their leader on defense. So you got a first a front row look at that in the in-season hard knocks that came out, you know, at the end of 2021 and, and here in 2022. Uh, and this season, the in-season hard knocks is obviously the Arizona Cardinals. But so, one win against a 2-7 and seven team, okay, great. And everyone was pointing to the tweet that Jeff Saturday sent out a week before he got hired. The Raiders looked terrible, and then he went and beat them. Okay, well, it's a 2-7 Raiders team, right? They're, they're just not very good this year. So, I, I give them credit for winning the game, but things are going to get a lot tougher from here, right? And... 
there was a lot of criticism that was leveled at the Indianapolis Colts, their front office, particularly owner Jim Ursay, and giving the job to Jeff Saturday, who hasn't coached any professional football, obviously played for the Colts and, and had a Hall of Fame career, snapping the ball to Peyton Manning, but being a coach is something that's completely different. And a lot of people couldn't understand the fact that they would give the job to Saturday, someone with no experience over all sorts of qualified people that were, you know, that could have gotten this job and, and, you know, potentially done better than him. I, I don't know. He's only coached one game and and they beat the team that they should have beat. So there's really not a whole lot to take away from it right now for me. And, and, you know, there's obviously a shortage of, of, of coaches of color in, in the National Football League. But one way or another, there were several people of any race that were more qualified to lead the Indianapolis Colts as, as the interim head coach as opposed to Jeff Saturday. And someone brought up the fact that there's a certain arrogance to taking that job in the middle of a season with no experience and thinking that you can go in and you can make a difference. There, there is a certain arrogance to that, and, and I see it. But I don't necessarily think that's why Jeff Saturday is doing it. I think, you know, in his heart, he loves the Colts. He thinks he can probably help, and he probably sees some things schematically that, that he, he can probably trim up. But here's why it's going to change. They play the Eagles this weekend. Philadelphia is coming to town. Eagles fans are going to... You know, they always come out in droves. They travel well. You saw them at the Arizona game several, maybe a month or two ago. It was mostly Eagles fans in there, in in the bottom bowl. It was crazy. All the way out in Arizona. So the schedule's going to get a lot tougher here for Saturday. And their next two games are at home. So you get Philly, you get Pittsburgh. Now the Steelers are playing much better now that they've got TJ Watt back. And they're a team that, Probably not going to make the playoffs, but another week or two, they if if they're able to get a win this weekend, you know they're going to hang around. And and right now that Colts Steelers game is is scheduled for for Monday Night Football, so it's going to be a prime time matchup. You don't think Pittsburgh's going to come out ready to go? I certainly do. And and Pittsburgh's got quarterback issues of their own. That's that's the biggest that's the biggest setback that, that I think they're dealing with since TJ Watts injury and, and Minka Fitzpatrick, who's overcoming his appendectomy. But after that, you got to go to Dallas. You got to go to Minnesota. Then you host the chargers who may also not be very good. Another Monday night game, but they have Herbert at quarterback and you're going to have a hard time stopping him before you go to the Meadowlands and play the giants and then wrap up the season with the Texans. I don't know if I expect Indianapolis to win more than two of those games as I, as I look at it on paper right now. And that would mean that, that Jeff Saturday in his time would have gone three and uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, three and six, right? Now, for someone that's never coached in the NFL and came in as, as, as the interim head coach, Okay, that might be pretty good, but a lot of the pieces were kind of already in place for him, weren't they? I mean, between Jonathan Taylor, who led the NFL in rushing last year, you got Quentin Nelson on the offensive line, who's one of the he's one of the best offensive linemen in the game right now. And you have Shaq Leonard, who's one of the best linebackers in the game right now over on the other side of the ball. So, uh, you know, it's it's 
we're going to see exactly what this team is made of and what kind of head coach Jeff Saturday is as we go through the rest of the season. But one game, a lot of people were shocked by that win. I was certainly one of them. Does not ensure that he's going to be a good head coach or, or that he's going to be sticking around. 800-636-1067, the MGM National Harbor listener line. Right before we go to a break, we're going to go to the phones and let's get to Todd. Todd and Houston, is this Captain Todd? Hey, buddy. Yeah, it's Captain Todd, man. Yes, sir. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm good, man. Good, man. How are you? I'm good. What you What you got for us? Uh, well, first, I, I just I, I love when you're on these long runs uh, on overtime. I was uh, I was able to listen to you for an hour after work. Uh, went to happy hour with my guys, and then got home and was able to listen to you for another hour. So, uh, oh, man, fantastic you. having you on the radio, man. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Uh, that means a lot. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, so uh, you're talking about Jeff Saturday. I mm-hmm. I I honestly think the Virginia Tech Hokies could beat the Raiders right now. <laughs> like I, I, I'm not. I'm we not stink, super... man. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there's a lot of uh, just emotion and and high, and everyone was just kind of playing out of their minds for that first game. But you're talking about the Raiders, man. I mean, the Raiders are as almost as bad as the Texans. Um, yeah, they stink. Yeah. I mean, I think they're in the same boat. Um, and I'm actually I'm going to the game this weekend. So I'm going to see the Texans and the Commanders, which I'm yes, pretty excited nice. about. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I hope we win like forty-two to ten because we never get those. I know it's going to be like thirteen to six or <laughs> right. something because that's just what always happens. Yeah, um, but I don't think Jeff Saturday wins another game this year. Honestly, yeah. I, just, I don't. I don't see it. I think I, that's it. Yeah, I'm. I'm with you on that, man. They they actually have a tough schedule. As I was going through it, it's not going to be easy for them to win any of those games. So, I, you know, Todd, I I appreciate you calling in, man. I, it really means a lot. Very kind words for you. Enjoy the game on Sunday too. Commanders Texans. It's a one o'clock kickoff. Um, yeah, that's it. I, for with Saturday, man. It's it's interesting. I. I'm not buying into that. Now, one game, like Todd was saying, Raiders are not very good this year. And and it's a little bit puzzling because, you know, they, they've got playmakers between Devontae Adams, Derek Carrs, I guess maybe taking a step back this year, but he's still been decent. Max Crosby over on the defensive side of the ball. They're just not a well-rounded squad right now. Josh McDaniels has a lot of work to do. Um, we didn't get to talk any college football with Todd. I know I gave I gave his Florida State Seminoles some some good airtime, and deservedly so. Florida State's on a roll right now. I, I would love to see them return to you know glory and and just another team from the ACC being competitive other than other than Clemson although Wake Forest NC State you know Pittsburgh was was competitive this year and Pittsburgh won the ACC last year so you know there there's there are some some teams that could play some good football there but anyway I digress let's step aside let's take a quick break we got two segments left I want to get to some capitals so why don't we do that coming up next on 106.7 the fan With just over 36 seconds to go in overtime, it's a one-point lead for the Washington Wizards, 107-106, now under 30 seconds to go. So we'll probably see the conclusion of this game here in this segment. We'll keep you posted on exactly how it does finish. Wizards will make way for the Washington Capitals, who will return home to Capital One Arena tomorrow night. Caps get the defending Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche 
for a 7 p.m. puck drop. And, excuse me, for... Anybody that was able to make it out to Capital One Arena for the Capitals reverse retro jersey launch this past weekend. Oh, my goodness. Lucky you. I went online and I was aware I was signed up for the emails. Right. I love those classic. They call them blue, I guess, blue and bronze. Right. That's the that's the color scheme that the Wizards used to use as well. Blue and bronze. Those classic Screaming Eagles jerseys, man. I got all sorts of Screaming Eagles memorabilia in what I call the Dan, what I call the Dan cave here where I'm doing the show from. It's where I, you know, work out of every day and where I watch games and whatnot looks like any other memorabilia filled man cave that you've been in. Uh, mine's unique though. And all that caps gear wanted to get a reverse retro Jersey. And just as they did last year, when they had the blue, the blue, Navy blue and red version of the screaming Eagles jerseys, they sold out within an hour, at least out. Of, they sold out of the Adidas ones, which are the, uh, the actual authentic ones. And there's almost no scenario where I will buy a fanatics branded anything. You know, a couple of the nationals world series champion things that I have are fanatics branded because that's all they made back then. That was before Major League Baseball switched to Nike. So uh, for any, hopefully anyone that, that made it over to Capital One Arena, you got yourself a, a nice jersey or some nice other Screaming Eagles gear this week. Unfortunately for the Caps on the ice, it has not gone quite as smooth recently with three straight losses, all of which came on the road. And that's important to note, right? Three consecutive road games, a little road trip. Going down to Florida, they lost to Tampa 6-3. to three. That was on the heels of beating Tampa at home 5-1. to one. But then going up to play the Florida Panthers, who obviously have uh, are, are much improved from where we've seen them in seasons past, right? 5-2 to two loss to Florida, and then most recently a 5-4 to four loss to the St. Louis Blues. The last several times that I've done shows and, and, and we've been talking caps, we've alluded to and looked at the injury situation that that the Capitals are facing right now and I'm not even going to I'm not even going to belabor the point with that because we all know that the type of firepower that the Capitals are missing right now no Backstrom no Wilson you know they they're missing all sorts of guys so some bright spots right let's let's look at the positives and and I was doing some prep before the show and you know you've got this you've got the 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 achievement that John Carlson had played in his 900th game of his NHL career last night three uh three days rather before the 13th anniversary of his debut with the Capitals in 2009 so you know everything comes back around but he scored two goals in his 900th career game and Carlson became the 16th active defenseman and 170th blue liner in NHL history to achieve the feat. He tallied only eight multi-goal game, multi-goal outings over his first 899 games. But obviously, number 900, he got two more goals himself. So that, that's pretty cool, you know. His first of the night came on a Blues power play. A turnover created a two-on-one rush, and and Carlson, the Caps, were able to score shorthanded. So that was really cool. And then, as he is is able to do on the power play, uh, he fired a one-timer to beat Blues goaltender Thomas Grease, and it was uh, it was 
you know, a, a Carlson bomb, if you will. And Carlson's got a hard slap shot. Everybody knows that, that Ovechkin can rip it, uh, either a slapper or a wrister. But Carlson can shoot the, the puck pretty hard, too, man. It's, it's, it's really... Um, it's it's pretty impressive there. So it, you know you've got the individual achievements there for Carlson. Obviously, every time Ovechkin scores a goal, the 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 meter just gets a little bit higher. He he climbs a little bit closer to Wayne Gretzky, and and he's still trying to catch uh, Gordie Howe's all time scoring mark. He passed Gordie Howe for the most goals scored ever by a player on one team. But now he has a few more that he has to make up for that that Howe tacked on at the end of his career. So uh, that there's you know Ovechkin, Carlson, those are some bright spots. Also, there there were high expectations coming in to this season for the goaltenders with the Caps, right? They signed both Darcy Kemper and Charlie Lindgren. It's it's not often that you see a team move on from both of their goaltenders in the offseason, and that's what the Capitals did. They they let Samsonov go and they let Vitek Vanacek go, but even after they allowed a season-high five goals, not including an empty netter to Tampa Bay on Sunday, uh, the, the Caps goalies ranked ninth in the NFL with uh, – or NHL, rather. <laughs> and, and this was obviously before the um, before their most recent outing. Losing my, my spot here. I've got too many tabs open. Losing their most recent game to the uh, St. Louis Blues. But Kemper has still been very good. And, you know – Ninth in the NHL with a 9.13 save percentage, 12th with a goals against average. Uh, it was not improved upon in that game against the St. Louis Blues, so that that probably dropped back just a little bit. Uh, but Darcy Kemper's been in net for, I believe, 14 out of the 18 starts. Uh, Lindgren has jumped in for a couple of the rest days, but. Five-year, $26 million contract for Kemper and, and coming over from a Stanley Cup winning team, obviously the expectations were going to be high. But I think all things considered, he's really acclimated himself quite well because the Capitals aren't the strongest defensive team, but right now they need to be. And I thought Alan May on, on NBC Sports Washington was really enlightening last night in one of the intermissions. Actually, it was right before one of the intermissions. And... He was talking about how when, when you're a team like the Capitals who are missing so much offensive firepower, you have to become a defensive team, right? I mean, you're, it's very rare that you're going to outscore teams. And, you know, they, they Caps were able to put up five on Tampa, five on Edmonton, um, but that's not going to happen more often than not. And, and right now the Capitals sitting at seven and nine, only 17 points on the season. They're, they're only... Uh, with three overtime losses, by the way, they're 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 not far from the very bottom of the Metropolitan Division standings. I don't expect them to finish there because I think that they'll get some of their injured players back. But with there being so, as as Alan may put it, with when you're missing so many goals and you're missing so much ice time, and and he's talking about combining the individual players that are off and the amount of production that you get from those guys, you have to become a defensive team, and. He felt like Alan May did that the scheme that was being implemented was maybe not the best for the Capitals personnel and where they're at right now with all the injuries. So we'll have to see. You know, it's a big game tomorrow night. Capital One Arena, Colorado Avalanche. Get out there. 
Get out there early, make some noise, rock the new reverse retro jerseys. I know they're black, so they, they'll stand out amongst all the red over there in Capital One Arena. That's okay. It's still a Caps jersey, if you ask me, right? So Darcy Kemper is going to be going up against his former team. It, it should be a lot of fun, and, and, and maybe they will change up the scheme because they've given up uh, a couple. They, 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 they gave up a couple of empty netters there against Florida, I believe, as well. And then, you know, we mentioned the one against Tampa. Five, five, six are the goal totals for their last three games, all of which were losing efforts. We'll see if the defense improves in the matchup against Colorado tomorrow night. We're stepping aside for our final break this evening, ladies and gentlemen. We'll come back and we'll wrap up the show. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to 106.7 The Fan. What a jam to bring us into the weekend. I feel like we should be walking into a club after we walk out of the studio. About five minutes left in tonight's show, ladies and gentlemen. 106.7 The Fan. I'm Danny Noakes. Caitlin producing this show. It's been fun. It's been a fun three and a half hours. And I have a Washington win to report. The Wizards in overtime able to take down the Miami Heat. 107-106. Three players go north of 20 points for the Wiz in this game. Led by... Who other than Bradley Beal? 27 points, 9 of 18 from the field, 5 of 9 from downtown. He added 8 assists to go along with that. 7 turnovers, that's not good. But a win nonetheless, a big one. They needed to beat Miami. Conference game. Obviously, Miami playing without Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo. You got to take advantage of those opportunities when you have the chance. So Wizards uh, move to 9 and 7 on the season. And... You also got 20 points and 17 rebounds from Kristaps Porzingis. Porzingis struggled a little bit in the second through the fourth quarters of this one. He came out of the gate really efficient, but only finished 7 of 20 from the field, 1 of 6 from downtown. But the 17 rebounds there, absolutely crucial. He also had 5 assists, 1 steal, 2 blocks. And then you got 21 points from Kyle Kuzma, who added 8 rebounds, 5 assists. Kuzma, 9 of 24 from the field. So... Beal actually had 2 of 12 was Kuzma from three-point land. So it was all Bradley Beal when it came to the efficiency of this team tonight. Corey Kispert added 17 off the bench, though, in 36 minutes. That's not something that can be overlooked. 6-9 from the field for Kispert. Obviously, I didn't get the chance to actually watch this game because we we were sitting right here at 6.30, a half hour before that game started, and now that it's over, we're still sitting here. But Kyle Lowry did... Uh, pour in 24 points, 15 assists, and 10 rebounds. That is indeed a triple-double for one Kyle Lowry, but it comes in a losing effort as Miami falls on the road at Capital One Arena to your Washington Wizards. So that's where we are really ending today's show for the most part. Special thanks to everybody that's called in. I mean, we have had some great callers. My guy, Captain Todd, was... uh, He's always a, a, a big supporter of our show, called in. He's going to be at the Houston and Commanders game over in Houston this weekend. So, Todd, enjoy that, my friend. Let us know how it goes. Can't wait to hear about it. Tim, Jack, Andre, Gary, Cameron, all those folks that called in. Appreciate all of you guys as well. And, of course, sending a big thank you to my buddy John Laser, who is – working for the National Sports Network this weekend. That's where he'll have the call of number one Georgia and Kentucky down in the SEC. It's a big game. 
for Georgia. It's not a it's not predicted to be a particularly close game. However, let's let's make sure that that part is well known because it is expected to be a blowout. Georgia is twenty two and a half point favorites. The last time I checked in on that one, so uh, and and as you heard Lay say, he believes that Georgia can cover that spread as enormous as it is, and, and considering the fact that Kentucky's playing at home in Lexington, uh, this is a very 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 good Georgia team. And hey, I'll wear it because one of the first shows that we did uh, this football season back in September, I talked about how Alabama going to run the table revenge tour lost to Georgia last year. Georgia's the national champions. Watch out for Saban on a revenge tour. And that hasn't really been the case. I mean, Bam is still good. Don't get me wrong, but Georgia really looks like the team to beat this year. And with the other teams like Tennessee kind of proving that, that they're nothing to be messed around with, you know, it's, it's, it may, it's, it doesn't appear that it is going to be Alabama's year again. So We'll see Georgia, Kentucky. Lay is also the founder of the nonprofit Lasers Ladybug Society, so you can check out more on what they do to benefit uh, mental health in uh, it, pretty much anywhere that, that they're able to. But uh, also a big thank you to my producer, Caitlin, who did a fantastic job tonight. Really appreciate everyone tuning in on a Friday evening. I know that it is uh, there, there's always a lot going on, so appreciate you. We will talk to you all again soon. Everybody have a great weekend. Happy Thanksgiving. I'll talk to you all again very soon. And until next time, be safe, be kind, and be well. I am out of here. Deuces. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.